Engaging Leader, episode 178, How to Succeed at Work-Life Balance Without Going Crazy. inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, Engagers. This is episode 178, and it is only the first time we have addressed work-life balance on the Engaging Leader Podcast. I find that surprising for two reasons and not surprising for one reason. The, uh, the two reasons I think it's surprising we've never talked about it before is that uh, I think work-life balance is very important for leaders and it's very important to model and encourage work-life balance for the people that we lead. And secondly, I am personally a student of work-life balance. It's something I have struggled with ever since I was in my early 20s, fresh out of school with a with a wife and a baby to take care of, and uh, have always worked to try to improve my work-life balance and read lots of books on it and talked to lots of people, smart people about it. But uh, the reason it's not surprising that we've never had an episode focusing on work-life balance is that I've never actually felt very successful at it. For some people who know me personally, that would surprise them because they've seen me implement a lot of tactics and strategies to improve work-life balance, and so they think of me as a success story, I guess. Others who know me would say, Jesse, you are the worst person in the world to be talking about work-life balance. You are a total workaholic, and uh, I think both of those are true. And so I am sharing this episode with you today, strictly as a student, to share two secrets in particular that have been very helpful for me in addressing work-life balance, how to succeed at work-life balance without going crazy. Because the very goal, work-life balance, that very goal can cause uh, a lot of stress and anxiety because you think you should be doing better. And so it can drive you crazy. And so I'm going to share two secrets today that's going to help you succeed at work-life balance without going crazy. I think I was about 22 years old or so when I heard this story, uh, a quote by James Patterson, the author, and it goes something like this. Imagine life is a game where you are juggling five balls. Work is a rubber ball. If you drop it, it will bounce back. The other four balls, family, health, friends, integrity, are made of glass. So the idea is if you drop those other four balls, they could get chipped, they could crack, they could even shatter and it can be difficult or even impossible to bring those back to life, or at least bring them back to full health and well-being. So, and I would, I, you know, even at age 22, I heard that and I thought, now that is profound. I am going to remember that. I'm going to put that into practice. Work is a rubber ball. If I drop it, it will bounce back. The others are made of glass. Those four balls, again, are family, health, friends, and integrity. And man, I wish I could go back and tell my 22-year-old self, no, really, pay attention to that because that is absolutely true. And I would say I, ha- I definitely have regrets in my own life about letting the other four balls drop. Um, all four of those I have dropped at various times, way too many times. And it, is, uh, it, it, it can definitely do permanent damage. 
So I'm going to come back to this metaphor a few times in this episode, this metaphor of juggling these five balls. And the first thing I want to point out about this metaphor is that juggling five balls is a state of action. It is not a state of just being of uh, stillness. It requires doing something with those five balls, even if it means putting one or more of them down. You can put different balls down at any given time. And so the first secret to work-life balance is recognizing that it's not about balance, as in like a static state. It is about balancing work and life. And I almost forgot to mention, I was about to just claim all of this content as my own uh, invention, <laughs> but actually these, are, these two secrets uh, are, were very well articulated in chapter 8 of the book, The One Thing by Gary Keller. The one thing, the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. And I have been methodically reading through that book, which has been recommended to me by several people this year, and focusing on one chapter at a time, putting it into practice, thinking about it, and then sharing my thoughts and insights in a podcast episode. And so here it is. We are, uh, I'm only in chapter eight, and... The last time I focused on one of these, or the last time I talked to you about one of these chapters was back in episode 172, Build One Powerful Habit at a Time. And so here we are in episode 178 that shows you that I've been uh, a little bit hesitant to go ahead and start talking about work-life balance. I I wanted to take some time and think about it and uh, crystallize it a bit more and keep practicing it until I decided, yeah, I'm going to, in this book, he, he shares lots of great stuff. And I'm going to focus on these two secrets. This is what I especially took out of that chapter. And on our show notes for this episode, I will provide links to my other episodes that um, focus on those chapters of the book, as well as a link to the book itself where you can get your hands on that. So back to this, this first secret, which is about, it's not about balance, it's about balancing. And what appears to be a state of balance is something entirely different. It's an act of prioritizing and then balancing those priorities. So again, it could be juggling. When you're juggling, um, I, I actually can juggle. Uh, I learned in college how to juggle, but I can only juggle three balls. Um, I can I can sort of juggle four for like a second and a half, but I can I can juggle three pretty well. And so I will tell you that the surprising thing about juggling three balls is there's actually only one ball in the air at any time. I always have two balls in my hands. It just looks like there's three constantly juggling. And a similar thing happens when you're juggling four balls. Uh, You always have two in your hands at any given time and two are in the air. And so you are making priorities. And of course you could just, if I'm trying to juggle four and realizing it's just not happening, I could set one of those balls down. So it's not about um, just consistently balancing those five balls, or even if you're just thinking in terms of work and life, you're not consistently balancing those two things. It's a state, a state of, uh, it's not a state of balance. It's an act of prioritizing and balancing. In the book, Gary Keller shares a different metaphor. He talks about a ballerina who is, appears to be perfectly balanced on her toes. But if you look really closely, you will notice that her toe shoes are vibrating rapidly, making minute adjustments for balance. So in this secret about um, balancing instead of just balance, there's this idea of 
prioritizing, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But first, let me talk about what do we mean by balancing, and why is this distinction important? Well, in, in prioritizing your time and, your, and the things that are going on in your life, we tend to think of balance as in the middle, and that we're out of balance when we're away from the middle. And so a lot of times when our goal is just work-life balance, and I have done this myself, we, we, we think, okay, I, I want to, like, and every day, I want to completely divide up my time among these areas of life. And, you know, I've heard that there's five areas of life that we should balance, or I've heard that there's these nine areas of life. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend an equal amount of time in each of those nine areas. And that is just, that's a formula for driving yourself crazy. It's also a formula for mediocrity because the problem with living in the middle is that it prevents you from making extraordinary time commitments to anything, well, anything at all. If I were to divide up my time even, evenly, then I would have to say no to attending my child's baseball game, which is going to be a three hour, take up three hours because if I divide it all up, well, actually I only have an hour and a half because I got to spend, divide up my time among these other 18 things that I have. And so, sorry, Charlie, I can only be to an hour and a half of your game. But investing in your child's life is worth it. It's, and so it's, it's worth making an extraordinary time commitment at the right time. But if we're focused on trying to be in the middle all the time, then everything gets shortchanged. We're trying to attend to all things, and so everything gets shortchanged. And so there's a wisdom in knowing when to pursue the middle and when to pursue the extremes. And extraordinary results are achieved by negotiating your time that way. Now, if you've been listening to the um, other episodes I've done about this book, One Thing, you will not be surprised that there's this uh, idea of embracing the sort of extreme. Like, yes, you need to focus on one thing at a time. One, Especially in the work, in terms of your work, you need to know what your one thing is and just focus extraordinary amounts of time with that and then sort of let everything else either fall by the wayside or just get your minimal attention until you get what you need done in, in today or this week toward that one thing. See, magic never happens in the middle. Magic happens at the extremes. Now, we can't always live at the extremes because chasing the extremes does present real challenges. So if I think, okay, I have this big initiative at work. That's my one thing. I'm going to throw everything at that. Well, the problem is when you work too long, eventually your personal life suffers. And even if you just ignore the, this big initi- initiative that you have at work and just look at your personal life, your personal life itself can be so full of have-tos or shoulds that you can reach a sort of defeated con- conclusion. I have no life because I spent all my time uh, doing these errands or uh, doing maintenance on, on my house or I spend so much time working out, I have no life. I don't ever get together with my friends. I'm totally devoted to my kids, spending all my time on my kids, and so I have no life. I don't get to ever get to, to have real connection with adults. So there's a healthy tension there that it's helpful to embrace, that magic doesn't happen in the middle. We can't really live our life in the middle because, number one, you'll, you'll end up 
in mediocrity. You won't achieve extraordinary results. And number two, you, you really don't actually, you, you shortchange everything. And yet, if you are at the extremes, then you can cause important areas of your life, especially your personal life, to suffer. When you focus on what is truly important, something will always be underserved. No matter how hard you try, there will always be things left undone at the end of the day, the week, the month, the year, the life. So it's silly to try to get them all done. And so that's going to lead us to this idea of prioritizing. But before I leave the idea of balancing, I want to mention that Gary Keller in the book suggests that you quit using the word balance and you use the word counterbalance because it helps you um, make more sense of what we're experiencing. And I think that's a helpful suggestion, although it's a mouthful and so I'm still going to say balance. But it's helpful to think about that. So counterbalancing is the idea of Let's say you're playing, um, you're you're building a house of cards or a Jenga or something like that, and you get something that's a little off balance on one in one spot. And so the next piece that you add, you sort of overcorrect the other way. You're counterbalancing that, and that is helpful because that's that's what's that's what that ballerina is doing. For example, uh, he or she is not just statically staying balanced. Um, he or she is is constantly correcting, counterbalancing. Whoops, starting to lean a little bit that way. Need to lean the other way. And so, when, counterbalancing that that term helps us remember that it's a state of action. We have to we have to um, go one way a little bit and then go the other way. So that's helpful. But then this idea of prioritizing and prior the very act of prioritizing means that we have to be okay with leaving some things un done. That is a necessary trade-off for extraordinary results. And when the things that matter most get done, that's great, but you'll still be left with a sense of things being undone, a sense of imbalance. And it's helpful just to realize that because that helps you not go crazy. You just have to be okay with the fact that some things are just not going to get done. I have to, maybe for you, that means your house is going to be not as clean as you would like it. There's going to be some dust on the shelves and I'm just going to be okay with that. At least, or you'll say, I'm going to be okay with that in this season of my life. So we prioritize, we leave some things undone, but you know, we can't leave everything undone. And, and so there's that idea of counterbalancing. You never go so far that you can't find your way back or stay so long that there's nothing waiting for you when you return. So if you're going to say, go all out, um, and invest extraordinary time on some initiative at work, great, and ignore everything else at work to the extent that you can. Just focus on that one thing. But uh, don't stay there so long that when you finally get back home that you find that your spouse has left you, that your kids hate you, that your um, health has uh, permanently declined. You know, So maybe, you, maybe if you work a whole bunch of hours uh, this week, then cut way back next week. Or if you um, p- pull an all-nighter this week, then take the day off the next day. You, d- you're, you need to figure out some ways to do some counterbalancing. And there's lots of uh, data. I'm not going to try to convince you about how it's important to um, manage your work time. But there is uh, one good statistic from the book is that individuals who work, uh, they, they did in the study, they showed that individuals who work more than 11 hours a day 
or in other words, a 55 plus hour work week, we're 67% more likely to suffer from heart disease. So in addition to causing some of those different, that's just those, those balls to drop, those glass balls, whether it's family or friends or your integrity, there's your, the idea of just your own health, that, that you can cause irreparable damage by just simply working more than 11 hours a day. And I'm not saying that 55 is the magic number for you, 55 hours a week, but certainly think about that. If you're on a regular basis working 55 or more hours a week, you may be in that red zone. Okay, so we've talked about the first secret to work-life balance is recognizing that it's not really about balance, it's about balancing or counterbalancing. And the second secret is recognizing that there's actually two types of counterbalancing. There's the, the counterbalancing between your work and your personal life, and then there's the balancing or counterbalancing within each of those. So um, you, you need to counterbalance between your work and personal life, but then inside your work life, you need to do some counterbalancing, and inside your personal life, you need to do counterbalancing. And just to stick with that metaphor, in other words, uh, of, the, of, the, of the juggling the balls, in your personal life, you need to be, be uh, counterbalancing time with family, time spent on investing your health, time spent investing in your friends, time spent in your um, spiritual or emotional well-being, which is what goes into your maintaining your integrity. So let's talk about work first. In the world of professional success, it's not about how much time or overtime you put in. I hope you realize that. The key ingredient is focused time and doing that overtime. And that really is maybe the, the, the overall message of one thing is to, is to pick what's really most important and focus your time and energy on that. To achieve something extraordinary... You have to choose what matters most and give it all the time it demands. And so that requires getting extremely out of balance in relation to all your other work issues with only infrequent counterbalancing to address them. The easy example I give, is, is, and everybody who works with me knows this, is email. I have decided that checking my email multiple times a day is not a priority for me. And so I'm you're lucky if I check my uh, my email once a day. I don't even actually check it every single day, but um, my goal is to, is to check my email every day. I triage it, respond to the things that are most important, and um, and then it depends on it, it, it. Then I try to get to the things that are less important, and when I run out of time, I run out of time. So there's definitely people who send me emails that never hear back because I get a whole, I just get a, a huge amount of email. And it's impossible to respond to them all, and it's just not worth my time. At least it's not worth my time in relation to what's really important. I have really high priorities, and I'm fairly clear on those, and I want to give those things that matter most the time that they demand. And so I don't check my email very often. Now, I have other systems to respond to uh, work projects with my work colleagues that I, I do check um, you know, I'm in communication with my team uh, throughout the day, but even that, I still have blocks of time that I do not check any of those messages through any of those systems. So in your work, in your terms of your professional success, it's, it's not about how much time or overtime you put in. It's being focused, and you need to choose what matters most and give it all the time it demands. So when you, when you think about being in the middle or in extremes, 
with work, you're, you, you, you should be spending a lot of time at the extreme in terms of I'm really throwing a lot of time and energy at this one thing because it's that important. And then uh, at the appropriate times, I come back and I, I, I kind of take care of everything else. Uh, and also, it may mean that maybe there's like one day a week where I clean up on those lesser important priorities. Maybe I, have, I focus four days a week on my one thing and then spend one day a week tidying up other stuff or it's maybe it's the reverse for you in, in your role you're lucky if you can have one day a week that you focus on your one thing and the other four days are kind of um, sort of the, uh, balancing all the other balls juggling all the other balls in your work so just depending on your role you need to figure out how to do that how to go to the extreme for the right amount of time to get the uh, time and energy put in on the thing that is going to achieve an extraordinary result so that's work or professional. Now, on the personal side, how do you counterbalance within all the aspects of your personal life? Well, the key ingredient there is awareness. Awareness of those different balls that you need to juggle that are actually made of glass. And as Gary uh, Keller talks about, he, he's, he breaks it down into there's body, there's spirit, there's family, friends, and your personal needs. And none of those can be sacrificed if you want to have a life, you can't let them go for very long at all. So certainly don't forsake uh, them for work and don't forsake them for the other for very long. You can move back and forth quickly between those and often even combine activities. So uh, like, for example, my wife and I today, we're just looking over our day and wanting to make sure we spent enough time with each other because we've we've rec- we've learned over and over and over again that if we don't consistently spend uh, several hours together every day, that our relationship starts to suffer, and it's pretty obvious. And we're just not doing anybody a favor, especially ourselves, if we don't do that. Uh, we're not doing our kids a favor if our marriage is suffering. And so we were looking at our schedule and recognizing that wow, this is we need to make an adjustment here or we're just not going to have enough time together. And so the only thing we could figure out was, uh, well, we could get extra an extra hour together if we, if we do our workouts together, get our exercise and, and then, and showering and so forth at the same time. So we can interact while we're working out and interact while we're showering afterwards. And so we, you can combine those. We're obviously combining body or health and combining uh, family time. So it requires awareness of these different needs and just making sure that you don't neglect any of them for long. So your personal life requires tight counterbalancing. And so the question is not whether or not you go out of balance. The, the act of balancing requires going out of balance in some ways. I'm going to devote time to this right now. I'm going to not devote time to that. So, But the question is, do you go short or long? In your personal life, go short and avoid long periods where you're out of balance in any of those areas. So it, it, you can always look back and say, yeah, I'm putting in the appropriate amount of time for my health. I'm putting in the appropriate amount of time to have authentic connections with my friends and with my kids and with my spouse. Um, I'm putting in appropriate amount of time to nurture my spirit, you know, my spiritual life. So go short and avoid long periods when you're out of balance in your personal life. Now, in your professional life, in terms of work, go long. And then make peace with the idea that the pursuit of extraordinary results may require you to be out of balance for long periods. 
Just make sure that you're focusing on what matters most in your work life. So change your language from balancing to prioritizing. And maybe use that word counterbalancing if that's helpful to you. But definitely talk more about work-life prioritizing instead of work-life balance. And that'll help you see your choices more clearly. You can act on your priority. That's going to cause you automatically to go out of balance. So the challenge is just how long do you stay on that priority? And it's important to be aware and be clear about those. So be clear about your most important work priority and get it done. Let me say that a little little differently. Be clear about your most important work priority so you can get it done. If you have a work day that you're unfocused and distracted, you're not going to get that important thing done until uh, maybe the office is cleared out. Everybody else has gone home. Now I can finally just focus and get this thing done so I can go home. Uh, I've done that a million times. You probably have too. So instead, get really clear about your most important work priority so you can get it done and then you can go home. And then go home and be clear about your priorities there. So when you're supposed to be working, work. And when you're supposed to be playing, play. It's only when your priorities get mixed up that things fall apart. So let me wrap up by encouraging you to think about two balancing buckets. There's your work life and your personal life. And they're in two distinct buckets. Now, a lot of people would say, um, in this day and age, wait, 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 Jesse. Really, it's really not about work-life balance. It's about integration. You know, it's really, it's more important for me to fully integrate my work and personal life. And, you know, if something comes up and I'm at work, but it's a personal thing, I need to like go take care of that when it matters. And I don't really want to argue on that point. I just want to say, make sure you're able to fully focus on what's most important at any, at the right time. And I would argue that for a lot of us, we are not as good at, at that integrating as we think we are. And so I think it's helpful to think about buckets, two distinct buckets. Um, It's not really to compartmentalize them, but it's to counterbalance them. And so inside your work bucket, you've got two distinct areas. There's what matters most and there's everything else. And for your work life in that work bucket, you're going to have to take matters to extremes and be okay with what happens to the rest. Professional success requires that. Extraordinary results requires taking matters to extremes and being okay with what happens to the rest in your work life. Now, in your personal bucket, acknowledge that you have multiple areas and that each requires a minimum of attention for you to feel good about that, for you to not go crazy, for you to not drop any of those glass balls. Because if you drop them, you're going to feel the effects. And so you got to have constant awareness about that. So an extraordinary extraordinary life is a counterbalancing act. Make sure you let the right things take precedence when they should and then get to the rest when you can. Living a full life by what by giving time to what matters is a balancing act. Keeping that in mind is going to help you succeed at work-life balance without going crazy. All right, well that wraps up this episode and you can find the links that I mentioned earlier to the previous episodes about the book, The One Thing, on our show notes, which you can find on our website at engagingleader.com forward slash 178 as in episode 178. Our thanks to Monica Harrison, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, JJ Leahy, our social media guru, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Max Brody, who composed our theme music. 
Until next time, remember, in the 21st century, the real movers and shakers aren't just leaders, they're engagers. Thank you.